Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Phil Donaldson continues our series of messages on the book of Acts. Today, looking at Acts chapter 22, beginning at verse 22 through to the end of chapter 23. And now, here's Phil. Good morning, you all. Uh, Please turn in the scriptures with me, please, to Acts chapter 22. And we're near the end of that uh, chapter to start. I assume you all did your homework and read the the verses ahead of time. Uh, But I won't zero anyone out. Some people told me that they had read it, so that's great. I'm going to start with a little bit of something different that forms the background and understanding for for the verses that are before us. It's something I came across and I think really helps us frame a bigger picture understanding of what God was doing in Paul's life and with the world uh, behind these stories we're talking about. Uh, Luke's the right author of this book, and he also wrote the book of the Gospel of Luke, of course. We know those things. And uh, I was thinking about the purpose by for which God had Luke write these two books together. I came across something in the study that I think will be helpful, in my study that will be helpful for us to understand a few of the things going on. So I'll share this with you before we actually start. We've already started, I know. The, uh, the Luke's two of his purposes in, in writing his two books have to do, I think, uh, quietly but, in, and, but fundamentally uh, in, in terms of his audiences, both the Jews and the Gentiles. And he seems to be writing to both of these parties, but in, for, for this morning I'll focus a bit more on, on the Gentiles. Uh, but uh, they, there were some underlying questions that they would have as Paul preached. First of all, why did the Jews reject and crucify Jesus? Here comes a foreigner coming into their area. Why, why aren't you just talking to the Jews? Why talk to us? We have our own religions, and that's the second leads to the second question. Why should we import your religion? We have the Roman religion. We have the Greek religion. We have these other beliefs that we are, shape our lives, and why do you intrude with this kind of, kind of speaking? I, I would like to add a, a third one uh, is similar to that, but why should you, why should, you, why should we listen uh, to Paul in Acts for ourselves today? So there's some answers given from Luke to these uh, question, and one of the, one of the underlying uh, answers goes along the line. Uh, he wants them to hear the true story of the rejection by the Jews of of the of of Jesus, uh, the 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 one who claimed to be God's son and the Christ, the Messiah of that nation. And then he writes the Gospel of Luke in part to show why Paul was rejected by the Gentiles. And uh, those seem to come to light that uh, support uh, some of the story that's before us uh, and uh, the reasons why he goes into some of these things with great length in telling those stories. And I think it's because some of those, uh, those things are, are operating in the background. Uh, I noticed in, uh, Luke's, in Luke's writing and following this line of thinking that one of the ways that tripped me into this a bit more deeply was the parallels between Luke's writing in his gospel 
and his writing in the book of Luke. And I want to just highlight these. We're not going to take any time in them. But the first one is, uh, clearly, both Jesus goes into the temple uh, and uh, so does Paul go into the temple in the, in the, verse, the verses that are before us today. And we'll see that in a few moments. Uh, the, the Lord was opposed by Sadducees and acknowledged by Pharisees. And that comes up in our story today. The Sadducees, who do not believe in the resurrection, opposed Jesus. But some Pharisees at the time kind of listened to him a bit more because of their differences in belief regarding the resurrection from this body uh, for eternity. The Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection, and they opposed Paul. But some Pharisees say they found uh, some uh, that they found nothing wrong with Paul's teaching. Uh, Jesus was seized by a crowd. In Luke 22 and verse 54, the people ran together and they seized Paul in the verses before us. This is the one that actually twigged me onto this. Jesus was slapped by the, high, the, by the priest's assistants in Luke chapter 22. And Paul is slapped at the high priest's command in the story before us this morning. Jesus endured many times like this, but they both I just highlight four of them. Uh, where Jesus was in four trials leading up to the cross. And the Apostle Paul here is having four trials that we're working working our way through together. Three times, they both were declared innocent by Roman authorities. Jesus by Pilate and others. and, And three times, the pagan rulers, the king, the governor, and Bernice, and Festus, and Agrippa. And we're partway through that as we go through this this morning, where Paul was declared Innocent. Why should the Jews, why did the Jews reject Jesus? Because he claimed to be the Son of God. Why did they reject Paul? Because he he taught that he was teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that bit of a backgrounder as we come to the verses that are before us this morning. Last last week, Jim left us with uh, uh, Paul's persistence and endurance lesson for the sakes of, of spreading the gospel of Christ. And we see that continuation of the Apostle Paul's character and, and commitment as he continued to pursue the gospel of Christ, even in the most difficult of situations for him personally. This morning, I would like to continue to understand that, but also look at another le- level and dimension. We, we sometimes call it the upper story. What's God doing in this situation? What is God doing with Paul uh, in, in ways that we can understand and appropriate for ourselves? Um, And the particular question is, what is God's wisdom when the accusers come at them or or me today and come at us with fury? We're going to appreciate a little bit of what he was facing. And we, too, uh, are faced from time to time with people who accuse us because we belong uh, to the king. I want to highlight two verses that, uh, as we go through this, you'll notice it uh, later as well. Uh, the first aspect of God's wisdom I would like to highlight is he's, he's telling Paul, his follower and apostle, do not forget my mission for you. If you look at chapter 22 and verse 21, then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So in the middle of these difficult times of accusations and difficulties, 
what does uh, God do? He reassures them by virtue, him by virtue of the mission that he was, he was given back when he was first called to be a Christian and, and follower and uh, apostle for the Lord. He's, he was said then, said then, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And that verse comes up uh, here uh, as, as part of Paul's defense before the, uh, uh, the, the powers that were. Chapter 23 and 11, later on in the story, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So he's in the center of Jerusalem in the context of today, today's lessons, and uh, he is on his way to Rome because God called him to go there. So he's strengthened and encouraged from the Lord himself in two very specific ways. Uh, that uh, uh, he, he took to heart and encouraged him and gave him this strength and persistent, persistence uh, when the accusers came at him in fury. The same thing is true of us. We need to remember our initial salvation, the first day we came to God and the Lord. We need to remember his claim on our lives that we submitted to and asked him to take over our lives and we de- determined that we would live for him. And we had... We received salvation as a result of our commitment and his free offer of salvation. And we also uh, desire to follow his particular calling for us uh, for this life and what our purposes are in this life and uh, taking us into eternity, which we'll come back to in a moment. The the second thing I'd like to highlight uh, from the upper story uh, of God's wisdom is I have prepared you for what is ahead. And in the uh, in the way that we live our lives, we, we don't always fully articulate what God is doing in our journey uh, uh, a step at a time, a day at a time, a year at a time, and so on. We, we, it's good for us to do that. And that's what Paul was, was recognizing as he looked back, how God had prepared him for the days that he was currently in. He, he was... Born in Saul, he was born Saul of Tarsus, and we know the story well. He he was educated in 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 the Greek culture. He was educated in as a, a Pharisee to the level of zenith, an expert level, and then he he became a Christian, and that uh, that gave him the credentials. Looking back, and he was appreciating them at this point to know that God was working in him, and he was had equipped him for the particular message that was his to carry on that God had called him to do. And uh, that helps to shape our following of the Lord, too. He's, called, he's laid his hand on your life and my life, and he's laid it with the purpose that matches the gifts and the talents, the history, the difficulties you faced, and all of these things continue to flow. Uh, we, we appreciate them a little bit more in, 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 the, high, in the rearview mirror, right? <laughs> we, we, we see his hand in our lives by looking back at how we... He brought us to this lady or he brought us to this job or he brought us to this place for his purpose. And we say, oh, what's he doing here? At the moment, you don't always know. But when you lay down your yourself in prayer before him, look back, you are receiving his wisdom. And in two particular ways for the Apostle Paul here, I want you to notice two things that he was prepared for, apart from the general general situations I just described. He was prepared to offer the defense before the authorities 
by virtue of his past, but also by the virtue of God's spirit guiding him to speak in a particular way in the situations that would advance the gospel. And uh, the other part of that, the defense, is we see that Paul does not shy away from the offense. He did not only defend himself, as you see in the stories, he did, and he, he prepared for it. He, he really went, went uh, for the defense against the accusers in terms of their own law and, and, uh, and uh, high priests and so on. But he also used offensive, no, no, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Offending, the, the, he went for the, uh, forward positively to try and A, win the people for him, to recognize that there was one, there was a one and only God that we we're all under, and your things in your lives are holding you back from that. And he also had to use very, very much the tools of offense as the, you know, running back in the NFL football game does. He's the one that charges ahead positively to win, to win the prize for God. Now let's read uh, together verse uh, chapter 22 uh, and 23. Here's the accusers. As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the commander, the Roman commander, ordered Paul to be taken into the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and questioned in order to find out why people were shouting at him like this. We read these words lightly. He was getting beaten. And if the, the record is he was trying to do that so they could find out why people were, were, were uh, wanting to put him to death. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do, he asked. This man is a Roman citizen. The, the commander, I just want to highlight this a little bit to see what Paul was facing. The commander was Claudius Lysias, L-Y-S-I-S. And he was worried uh, that uh, this man was going to cause a lot of commotion and turmoil in the, in the city for which he was assigned to keep peace in. And, and Paul is quite aware that, uh, he was, that Paul himself was a Roman citizen, and so he defended him, himself uh, uh, before him because of his, uh, his background uh, in, in civil terms. I just want to, of course, the engineer has a spreadsheet to help us with this. Uh, the the uh, just I want to help us to understand the kind of power that was acting against Paul. These were were not just the street people uh, of Jews that came from from a foreign province. They were people with tremendous power over that society and culture that he was being brought to bear that were being brought to bear on Paul. If you look in the right hand side of this uh, this spreadsheet, you'll see that the uh, the apostle Paul is on the bottom right hand corner. The bottom of the pile, if you like, and he's colored in, in, in yellow, if you can see that. And the, the stakeholders in the immediate story are the people, the Jewish nation, the crowds. They're described also as a part of the group. The, the crowds were Jews from Syria who were the real uh, ones who seemed to be stirring a lot of this up. And, of course, Paul uh, was, was part of the Christian church there, and that came to help him in his family and part of the story as well. So Paul is sitting over here. And in this whole area, I've just highlighted who these people are. The Pharisees and Sadducees were the political parties that were part of the leadership, uh, the, the governance of the religion and the local 
area of Palestine was uh, where the chief priests and in particular the high priest Ananias and they governed through a building uh, called the and, and the a judgment hall and decision making place uh, the great Sanhedrin great Sanhedrin and then uh, generally there was the priesthood that operated beside uh, the religious and civil structure where the high priest Ananias was also in charge of the priesthood and the priests were among the Jewish people throughout throughout the land of uh, uh, Israel at the time. Now, in purple, I've tried to draw the Roman uh, chart. And uh, we're, we, saw, we see in this story the soldiers and the centurion and the commander who we uh, know in the story is Claudius Lysias. And he was in charge of the, keeping the peace for Rome and, the, and that the taxes were collected, by the way, uh, for, for uh, Rome and basically from Jerusalem. And then uh, we have the Romans were heavily uh, uh, armored at uh, Caesarea Maritima. Sorry for the spelling mistake there. And the governor there was Felix, who later on, uh, and Dave Hook will be dealing with uh, those trials later on. And, of course, the Roman emperor at the time, his name was Claudius. Next slide, please. Uh, just a few pictures that help us understand what... The, uh, what, what, what this geography was like for Paul. Uh, this part of the, uh, of the drawing shows the temple. It had its own walls, and that's where the governance of the Jews were. That's where they celebrated their altars, their sacrifices, and their, their priesthood uh, work from. And then the, the, there was this larger uh, fence around the area uh, that uh, was, um, was part of the gate structure of Israel at the time. And then the Romans built the and took over this part of the area where the fortress was, where the local centurion lived. And there was a jail there where Paul was protected from all of the Jewish things going on. And he was protected there. And we'll come to back to, uh, back to that in a minute. And uh, so that's where the Romans hung out to keep peace in the land. Next slide. This is a picture of the of the temple. And you can see the power that the priests had and the. Uh, uh, Herod's temple, the steps, the holy of holy places in the background, and then the fortress uh, by of the Romans over here and uh, walkways for which they had access to the whole place to uh, do their military business. Next slide. And here again, we see the uh, the same kind of thing. The, the, ge the geometry doesn't exactly match in the couple pictures, but I found the ones that would illustrate the points. When when Paul was being accused he was out here on the steps, and that's where the crowds had gathered. Uh, perhaps it started in the outer area of the temple. We're not sure, but the, that's where the action happened. And here is God working with Paul in the middle of these two huge forces for that culture, and God is protecting him. He, he wasn't being uh, brought into uh, some little cell in the background uh, in the Roman area. He wasn't, uh, wasn't dragged off by the Jews without the, where, where, the, where the Roman soldiers were not uh, typically in there. Uh, but he was in the center of all of the power structure of the day. And there God is speaking through Paul uh, for the God of heaven and what he wants done uh, in the lives of people. And so it's remarkable. Uh, there's one last slide. Sorry. Uh, uh, this we've, we've looked at before in a previous uh, time that he, Paul was dragged into the Sanhedrin, 
I say again, and here's a picture of the of the of the uh, main officers and the and the people who gather. And here's perhaps a picture of uh, a Paul being dragged in there again in the chapter we're we're looking at in chapter 22 and verse 30, I believe it is. So next slide, God's God's here's Paul's defense begins. There is a higher authority than you. This is a, a key thing to understand in the mind of Paul. He was serving. He was a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. He was following the king of kings and Lord of lords in the middle of this culture. And, and his mind was uh, focused on telling them that there is a higher authority than you. But he speaks that way to the, to the Jewish high priest and the, the Sanhedrin. And he is trying, getting that, trying to get them to see the error of where they are at before the God of heaven. And he's also uh, had the opportunity, and it will continue, to work with the, the officials from the nation of Rome and have them hear the gospel. And uh, this is part of the upper story of God spreading the gospel. From We've seen it from its start in Jerusalem, working all through the northern part, uh, Greece and Macedonia, Ephesus area and so on. And now it's, he's coming on his route to uh, go to Rome to bring the gospel to the highest level. Uh, by virtue of his imprisonment by them, he's got the opportunity to speak to the, the one who is claiming to be God on behalf of the Romans and the one who uh, is standing between the people and God. So Paul's defense begins. There is a higher authority than you. He starts with his being a Roman citizen. We don't have time to read all of this, but the uh, the commander had to, to pay a big price for his citizenship, but Paul was born a Roman citizen. And uh, those who were about to question him withdrew immediately. They didn't want to be part of this uh, uh, disobedi- disobedience and, and transgression of Roman law. And so the commander had to find out this isn't going to stop here. He had to find out in verse 30 uh, why Paul was being accused by the Jews. There's a part here where he thought he might really be a, a particular brand of Zionist that was uh, going to uh, attack the Roman uh, areas. But uh, Paul is, uh, uh, dismisses that with the commander in the defense that he offers. And then the commander turns and uh, had him... Uh, Next day, the commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews. He released him and ordered the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin uh, to assemble the next day. And he had Paul uh, come to stand before them. So now he's moving from the, Jew, the Roman area to the, to, to the Jewish people of the day and the rulers and looks straight at them in verse uh, 1 of, of uh, what chapter are we on here? Uh, 22. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled... Uh, my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him in the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, you dare to insult God's high priest? Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize that he was high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Uh, a whitewashed wall term, might, we might not think too much of it, but in the Old Testament scriptures, it was a description of somewhat something or something that is weak, faltering, and about to collapse, being covered up with 
paint to hide the true condition. So when he was accusing the high priest of this, he's saying, you, you have all the right things you think on the, on the outside, but you're a whitewashed wall. You're a, king, you're a person about to fall because you've turned aside from the true and living, living God. And we'll leave it that part of the story at that. Then Paul's offense comes up in the next part of the story. And he, he knows by this point that he's not going to win over the Jewish leadership. And he needs to work in such a way that he is continuing on what God has called him to do, to leave from Jerusalem and head towards Rome. So what does he do? It's a powerful thing he does. He knows the Jewish culture very well and how the Sadducees and the, uh, and the Pharisees and other groups were very much opposed to each other inside their own race and culture. And Paul knew all these things very well. So instead of them, uh, instead of him working on the things that they were accusing him of, he turns and, and uh, gets them arguing against each other. Uh, and that was that uh, tactic was was su- successful. And uh, the rest of the story is uh, is quite fascinating. That, that how he goes from from that to the Jews and their conspiracies to put him, get him put to death. And that's part of the story from verse 12 to 18. In the middle of that, I don't think I ever noticed this before. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. I really never noticed that Paul's family was was identified here as the ones who assisted him, probably with the help of the Christian church, to help set him on the way, uh, on his on his way to uh, Caesarea and then to Rome. So Paul still hasn't had a trial, certainly nothing that was fair or just, even in the terms of the day. But God is working through this to bring him away from the Jewish leadership by their protection, by having centurions uh, send him to, uh, uh, to a jail in Caesarea under the protection of the top person in, in Rome at the time. And his strategy, speaking on behalf of the Lord in those ways, is protected uh, from being killed by, by this, these groups. Uh, this is a couple of fun slides here, but when Paul left Jerusalem, uh, he, was in a Roman, he was put in the Roman prison by Felix, uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it wasn't a bad place to be, actually, right on the Mediterranean Sea. Peg and I and this always had an opportunity to visit that place. It, all of that is in rubble now, but it's identifiable that where, where he was sent was, uh, was on the Mediterranean Sea and whenever the time frame was. But uh, you can see the palace, you can see the bay, you can see the jail is lo- located up in the, uh, uh, sorry, the, 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 they had their own uh, Temple of Augustus, they, who worshipped uh, Caesar, and all of those uh, you can look at uh, in your leisure to see where he where he was protected from those uh, people. It's interesting to read the story in detail about how the Roman officer from Jerusalem uh, wrote this letter that didn't include all the things he did wrong uh, in his treatment of Paul when he was being sent to uh, uh, being sent to uh, to Caesarea. Well, we need to close. I just want to just highlight on the last slide if the, uh, the the summary of these things that I'm trying to highlight for us to apply to ourselves today. Uh, I'm, I've got seven points, uh, and the first one is I had to number it zero because they added it later. Do not forget 
that God's wisdom was in calling you personally to himself for salvation and to live before Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of your life. And that's his starting point on the road to Damascus. And then point one on the slide, do not forget my mission for you. Do not forget that I have uh, prepared you for what is ahead. And we went over those points. Our part of this is to be prepared. When the, when the fire comes, we need to have been in the presence of the Lord. We need his power. We need his wisdom. We need his truth. And we need to be, be in fellowship with him if we expect him to carry us and protect us through to the next areas of our life. So remember that we are before the, the, the one who is all-powerful, even though the fury is coming at us, we think it's, it's unmanageable. He is there in strength to not only carry us through, but to carry out his purposes in the middle of the flame and fire. Remember, he is in control of every situation. Otherwise, he would not be God. Don't forget my word. You look at see Paul going back, his knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures, his knowledge of the New Testament as it was being formed and written and he was reading, writing. And the application for us is don't forget my word. Because when we come into the, the difficult times, these things, these knowledges, these truths, these wisdoms, the encouragement we have from the Lord, we need to have them readily available to us for the Spirit. I am always with you, even in the fire. And I will give you the strategies and the words to speak as he did to Paul that day. He does for us each and every day as we seek the opportunities to serve him. Father God, we're grateful for this morning. The time we could spend just worshiping and praising you. And we just pray that what we heard this morning would um, go into our minds, uh, and go into our hearts, and change our lives. I just pray that uh, going forward from this building that we would um, live in your spirit and that we would um, live in the light of, of the scripture and in Jesus Christ. And I just pray that um, you would watch over us as we um, continue about our week and that you would uh, bring us back together. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.